You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, producer Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm very, very excited to be here. Excellent. Feeling, feeling good energy today, so it's it's good. Feeling good. That's great. I'm looking out to a beautiful sunny day, so it's it's empowering as well, um, and it's a great show. It's a very it's it's a we're talking about gardening today and the powers of gardening. So it uh, inspires springtime. So I, I think it's one that everyone's going to enjoy. Um, today's show is taped, so no opportunity for calling in. But please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. And please do feel free to email us at thh at radio maria. And to subscribe to our podcast, we are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. And as we mentioned every week, you can find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. And, you know, do subscribe, and then you don't have to worry about searching these things down. It'll be sent directly to you. We've got always have some fascinating guests uh, on the show. So subscribe, and uh, everything will be sent to you, and you have a notification of when our new shows are up. So as mentioned today, we're talking about gardening and our guest is Dr. Sue Stewart-Smith and she has written the book called The Well Garden Mind. And the timing of this book couldn't be better. Um, and as you'll hear in the interview, <clears throat> excuse me, it was delayed a bit, but I think it was all for the, for the best. And as karma would have it, it's a beautiful uh, narrative on how uh, gardening can empower us uh, to reconnect with nature and uh, really work on our mental health space. So quite enjoyable. It's a lovely book. I've read the book. It's wonderful. Um, and I just want to read to you uh, a couple of reviews that the book has had. St uh, Stuart Smith delivers a thoroughly researched text based on her deep and wide reading about the history of gardening, her visits to many of the therapeutic garden sites, she mentions, and her interviews with many people, professionals, and patients alike, full of surprise and wonder. This is a life-affirming study of the special pleasures of tending your garden and growing things. Stuart Smith's heartfelt arguments for the benefits of nature and gardening for our mental health are informed by research in neuroscience and the evidence of patients who have improved, who have improved through therapeutic gardening. And the Well Garden Mind provides a new perspective on the power of gardening to change people's lives. Here, Sue Stewart-Smith investigates the many ways in which mind and garden can interact and explores how the process of tending a plot can be a way of sustaining an innermost self. It's wonderful. It's, it really is wonderful. It gives us lots of food for thought. And uh, as she as she quotes or says in the, in the interview, plants the seeds of, of many things. So um, just a little bit about Sue Stewart-Smith. Uh, she is a psychiatrist, a psychotherapist, and author of The Well Garden Mind, a Sunday Times bestseller. She studied English literature at the University of Cambridge before qualifying as a doctor and working in the National Health Services for many years, becoming the lead clinician for psychotherapy at Hertfordshire. She currently teaches at the Tavistock and Portman NHS Foundation Trust in London and is a consultant at DocHealth, a not-for-profit psychotherapeutic consultation service for doctors. She is married to Tom Stewart-Smith, the celebrated garden designer, and over 30 years together, they have created the wonderful barn garden in Hertfordshire. Her book, The Well Garden Mind, analyzes the relationship between gardening and mental health. 
some of the things that we talk about today is why gardening can be so therapeutic. What are some of the physiological responses uh, to being in the garden and how we can begin our gardening journey? So everybody, please do stay with us. This is a wonderful interview with Dr. Stuart Smith. We will be back in a few minutes.
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, our show is being recorded, so no opportunity for calling in as I hit my mic off. Um, but please do follow us. We are on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Sue, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Kathy, I'm really pleased to be able to join you today. We, um, I was, I was telling Sue off air. I have two pages of questions. The book is fascinating. It's given me a whole different perspective on gardening, um, and and I look forward to the challenges of a garden this summer. Usually for me, Sue, gardening is like okay. I got to pull the weeds. I just have to make this look presentable, and then challenges of the dogs. Um, so it's been more of a um, uh, an issue of tolerating my garden but you have opened up my eyes to it the book was wonderful um, and before we get into the actual tenets of the book let us you know give us an insight as to why gardening has taken such a hold for you for me personally I think it was a very very slow uh, gradual journey you know rather like you described Kathy I started out seeing gardening as a bit of a, a chore um, you know, jobs to be to, to get through, um, uh, like outdoor housework, except a bit nicer because you know you could be out in the sunshine. Uh, it took me a while, really, to to understand the particular kind of um, thrills that come from. In my case, it was growing growing our own food, um, and I'd always loved cooking. Uh, and for me, that was ultimately the way into the garden. Um, I mean, you know, I'm I'm married. Um, a garden designer 30 years ago, who since since then has become a very celebrated garden designer. So we were spending a lot of time thinking about creating a garden. So it was a it's been a it's been a long journey really for me. Uh, and yeah, it took it probably took five or six years uh, after starting to make our garden here for me to really recognise how ben beneficial it was for me in terms of you know, winding down after a, a long week, week at work um, and, and actually just experiencing a kind of creative satisfaction, a, um, a kind of tan tangible uh, pleasure uh, that, that came from, from, you know, getting my hands in the soil and then harvesting produce and so on. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, so when then in your practice, so to speak, did this go transition from being a hobby and a delight for you into something that you really started to take on as um, an area where people can find respite from, from some, you know, issues and strains that are happening in their life? That was probably even more recently, about sort of six or seven years ago. And I think at that time in the in the NHS in, in the UK, we were going through a lot of cuts to health services. We were losing day hospitals um, and other resources like that. And I, I, I was running a psychotherapy service for a district in Hertfordshire near where I live. And, and I, I just became aware that there was sort of growing levels of isolation and that sometimes for some of my patients, their appointment to see me or one of the other therapists in the department was, was perhaps the only thing in their week that they, they, they needed to come out to. So I, it, the two things sort of came together, really, of thinking about, you know, what, what resources are there in terms of, let's say, community resources, community gardens and so on. Um, or people's own personal gardens that, that, that we can begin to tap into. And then the restorative processes of nature is something that you hearken to a lot. So again, we're moving, you know, as you go through um, your book, 
we're moving into all aspects of how restorative gardening is and planting and creating. And you have many, many case studies that you bring up in your book. What, what are some of the memorable ones that you can see that you've introduced gardening and creating and getting your hands in the soil? Um, how people move past what was, what was stopping them in their lives? Well, I think one of the first cases that I mentioned in the book um, really sowed a seed in my mind quite a while ago. And it was a patient who, who uh, in the book uh, uh, is known as Kay. And uh, she was coming for psychotherapy. And she started gardening uh, in midlife. She had teenage, late teenage children who were leaving home. Um, and she'd had a very troubled past. And one day she, she said to me, it's the only time I feel I'm good. And that really, really set me off thinking. Um, and, and, and as I said, it sowed a seed. A few years later, I started researching to give a talk actually about gardening for the mind. And I began doing, doing the research that sort of forms the foundation of the book. Um, so, so that was a very significant case in a way. And then, and then in order to write the book, I, I traveled and, and visited mental health projects, prison gardening projects, um, community projects, urban farms and so on, and, and interviewed all sorts of people, many of whom uh, don't appear in the book. But, but a number do and, and, and really were, were able to kind of give quite eloquently, I, you know, uh, an idea of what, what it was, how, how deeply gardening had helped, had changed them um, and changed their attitude to life. And I think in some cases really saved their lives. There are many instances um, in the book where you hearken back to times not modern, war times. And I guess within the research and in your traveling, you've been able to weave the power of gardening and creating for mental health spaces to long ago. I mean, you talked about the wartime. Um, can you give us some insight into why you incorporated that part of it into the book? Well, I think what I realized when I was researching the book is that is that um, on the one hand, there's a great deal of really um, important uh, contemporary science uh, that is showing us really how, how deeply and how significantly nature uh, is, is, is crucial for our health, you know, in terms of um, its effects on lowering cortisol levels, you know, green nature in particular uh, helps reduce stress. Um, but also reducing blood pressure um, and and improving mood and uh, and and so on. So on the one hand, there there are more and more studies coming out confirming that. So in that sense, it feels like quite a, a revelation. But of course, it's something that we've forgotten, that we've lost touch with culturally, and 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 I felt that um, we needed to acknowledge that that going right back to ancient times. Um, that, that actually people understood this intuitively, uh, you know, and, and that, for example, the Middle Ages, the medieval monasteries, the gardens there were, were very much about healing both, both um, places to work in the garden, to grow food and herbs, so on, um, but also places for quiet contemplation and sort of nourishing the soul. And, and then you mentioned war, you know, the First World War, probably the, the birth of horticultural therapy, really, um, when, when just the scale of, of destruction and trauma that was experienced uh, um, really, really led to, to a big movement to reconnect with the land, to reconnect with nature's powers of renewal, which I, I think give us a sense of hope more powerfully than anything else. Do you think that um, we really have lost our connection with nature? Is this one of the underlying issues? I shouldn't say underlying issues, but this disconnect with nature. Um, do you think it's a real problem? Yes, I do. And I became more and more convinced of that in my journey uh, through writing the book. Uh, you know, that, that actually at every level, you know, whether it's um, 
about the way we've allowed uh, the environments around us to degrade, um, you know, the loss of biodiversity that's happened um, uh, right through to, you know, the sort of the lack of nature in particularly uh, the more deprived parts of cities. You know, it, it's sort of not seen as necessary or worthwhile. Uh, and yet, yet studies show that it can have really quite uh, dramatic effects on things like reducing violence um, and uh, improving mental health of, of people living in those areas. So I think we've we've really come to overlook it completely, uh, and, and 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 lost touch fundamentally with with the fact that all life all life depends on on plants, you know, and and that you know we do need to to integrate our lives, to reintegrate ourselves back into nature in some way. And you know, to be clear, this isn't you're not using gardening and and creating as a distraction. Right, you're using it as an incorporation to um, a more positive mental space, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think I think one of, one of the things um, which many many people will have experienced very powerfully themselves uh, at the at the beginning of the pandemic last spring is the fu- is the fundamental way that that gardening gives you a sense of a future. You know, as soon as you start sowing seeds, um, your your part of your mind is is projecting to, into two or three months ahead. Whatever it is, whether it's the beautiful flowers you're gro- going to grow or the you know the, the delicious tomatoes you're going to be eating. Um, so so in a very simple but very pragmatic way, gardening gives you, gives gives us access to a future, and and that is invaluable. When, 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 you know, when the future is very uncertain or full of fear and anxiety, which is what we're dealing with with now in this global crisis. Uh, so I think I think that, you know, across the world, really, and certainly in the in the northern hemisphere in last spring, um, people experienced that to such an extent. You know, there was a run on seeds. The garden centers couldn't keep up. And, and this is this was the effect that I, I found people were describing to me. Uh, when I was visiting um, projects, working with, um, you know, people just suffering from trauma or depression, um, who, 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 you know, fa- have found themselves in a place where the future felt really foreclosed, um, that they couldn't see a way forward in their lives. And gardening can just help open, open that up. You know, once you begin, once that process begins, then other things can follow. The timing of your book is is amazing. You've backed into a situation here where, um, as you said, the seeds and gardening, you know, people may have gone into this, uh, you know, newly found interest in gardening because we've had to be at home. We might as well do something. Let's take a look at the garden. Um and, 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 you know, you read the book, you look at our timing now, and you can see, you know, maybe this was meant to be at this period of time, whereas people starting their gardening may have started it for one completely different reason, but are, are able to weave it into a hobby that is um, nurturing for their soul, that can divert some of what's going on now. Have you ever thought of, of the timing of this book? I've thought about it a great deal because uh, it was not meant to be. It was actually late. Um, I, I write about it in the book, the the you know the fracture in my hip, um, which was two years ago now, and um, it 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 meant that you know the book came out later than it should have done. So um, so yes, and, and actually I learned a lot through that process, which is why I wove it into the book. Because I think there is something that happens when you are um, when you are grounded. Uh, you know, I I came back home from hospital. Um, I you know I couldn't had to start walking very slowly again, um, and I had time to 
experience our garden in a very different way, you know, to, to, to spend time with the birds, for example, who visited the garden. And I, and I think that's what, that's what, again, for many people who, who are fortunate enough to have a garden, because I think that's the other thing about the pandemic is it has really highlighted the huge difference between this, this, exp this experience, this crisis for, for, for people who don't have access to, to any green space. But well, actually, you know, and, and it is a microcosm, that, isn't it? Well, and, and to that, I have seen so many different um, creative ways to bring a garden indoors or to have uh, you yep. know, windowsill gardens. So um, it's it's just it's amazing to me. I was very fortunate to to, to find you, um, and it, it's amazing to me how it's all come together. You know, heck, I I don't. We have a lot of shade in our garden, and I've been extremely unsuccessful in cultivating things, which has led to my frustration of gardening. Plus, I have dogs who just um, are not interested in the way I want the garden to go. But um, just you know, having an attachment to a potted basil plant that I can see either flourish or not flourishing there's an emotion there it's very odd it's like oh, are you going to live am I going to be able to cultivate this it doesn't take a lot does it no it doesn't and I think you know we were talking earlier about uh, our disconnection from nature I think the other thing that we have come to undervalue is that is is the importance of simple acts of care you know that the 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 sort of consumerist um, uh, mindset that we've all sort of been drawn into rather, you know, is, is very much more about consumption and gratifying our needs more, more instantly. And, you know, the quicker, the quicker you can, you know, the easier it is to click and swipe and sort of buy something, the better that kind of, that kind of sort of culture really um, mm -hmm. that has become so dominant and, and actually all these other kind of activities that are about nurturing something more slowly, um, you know, nourishing something and, and, and nourishing yourself in the process are, are, are so vital for our mental health. And, and one of the reasons that's the case is because um, care is bound up with our endorphin system. It's, it's linked to release of our natural, our sort of endogenous opioids which are calming and soothing and pleasurable. So, and, and actually how we form attachments too, the basis of attachment. So, so this, is, this is happening at a neurophysiological level. And I have to believe that even in the defeatism of the poor plants that I have killed, I am learning something and moving towards creating something in the future. Um, I, I, I don't have a green thumb. I'm Sadly, I can't, like I said, I can't keep a potted plant alive. But um, I, I mean, when I have, you know, we have, we grow, um, I planted garlic for the first time and I'm so excited. Like really, this is, I go to the back and I think, I just want to see if this grows. So you really do invest if you take the time. Mm -hmm. And I think when we come back from the break, we're going to start talking about maybe how you can take steps. But I also want to talk about Freud and it's not necessarily always about cultivating, but enjoying uh, the garden. But all of these things, you know, as I was reading your book, it's like, you know, I, I need to give this a shot. And uh, it's, it's uh, I, I'm just so happy that uh, I was able to connect with you and talk about this because um, it can be such a good space for people to go into, especially now. So when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Sue Stewart-Smith. Thank you. 
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking with Dr. Sue Stewart Smith, and she is the author of The Well Garden Mind and Dealing with the Restorative Power of Nature and Creating. And it is a beautiful book that you can, in many different ways, um, you know, I found that I could connect in many different ways. And I think, you know, if I had to say the one overriding takeaway I have from the book is patience. And, um, to maybe go forth into a garden and look at it differently, not as a chore, not as outside housework, as you mentioned, which is really brilliant, because I think that's exactly what I was thinking. But um, let's continue on with some of the subject matter in the book. And maybe where I want to start is at this space. Do you have to have a well laid out garden, a well manicured garden, to start getting the benefits of of the, the, the psychological, the physiological um, aspects of gardening? Or can we start small and, and just learn as we go? Absolutely the latter, I think, um, Kathy. I think, in fact, you know, the, sometimes the well-manicured garden um, can become a real burden um, because you are constantly, inevitably, fighting a bit of battle with nature. Um, the other thing that's very, very relevant to this is, is that is research that has shown that the more biodiversity, for example, there is in a garden, uh, the more insects and birds that visit it, you know, the, the, the wider range of plants in it and so on. So the, actually these gardens, when you have more of these things, they're actually more restorative um, than, than having you know, a patch of lawn and, a, um, and not a lot else. So, so it's partly the, 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 the complexity of a natural environment um, that, is, that is good. And, and you know, one of, one of my favourite strategies in my vegetable garden is, is sowing lots of annual flowers, many of which self-seed year on year. So the nasturtiums, um, the eschultzia, uh, you know, the, the verbena and so on. And they're, they're great for pollinators and they're so beautiful. And, and I love the sense of, you know, I never quite know where they're going to pop up. So I feel it's, it's almost a bit of a dialogue between me and nature. You know, mm-hmm. this is a two-way process. Um, and, and for me, that, that's, that's, that's the essence of, of, of gardening for, for me. That's my personal take on it or my personal style, I suppose. Um, I just think the most important thing is not to take on too much, actually, and uh, because that's when it, it becomes um, burdensome, burdensome, you know, and and, uh, 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 and a worry or a, you know another another thing on your to do list, which is I think counterproductive. You, you brought up the nasturtiums and the flowers and the annuals. We, we have focused on creating food. We have focused on actually the creative process of a garden. Um, let's flip it on over to sort of the beauty of the garden. Uh, if, you, if you don't have, and if you still haven't found that, that inner gardener in you, um, you can still find lots of benefit by walking gardens. And, you know, that is one of the main attractions when you go to some, some cities is walking the beautiful gardens. And can you, if you are not yet in that space to cultivate, to create, can you find empowerment? Can you find you know, psychological peace by walking through uh, what I would call a space of beauty? Yes, of course. I think the most important thing is to be um, making sure that you are connecting with it, really taking, taking, taking it in um, you know, through the senses, whether that's, you know, listening to the birds or the sound of the wind in the trees taking in the, all the different changes of the light, the colours and so on, and 
different flowers or the greenness of, of, of the vegetation. So, so as long as you're not sort of out there walking sort of um, with your headphones on and, and, you know, mentally in another place, then, then yes, I think that's absolutely right. Um, you know, because one, one of the things we know is that that, that kind of um, very um, grounded being in the present moment, connecting through the body, connecting through the senses, is, is a very restorative state. It's, it's, it's a kind of mindful state. It's a way of, of, of being in the present. Um, and, and it has good, you know, good effects in the brain. It, it produces much more integration in the neural networks and, and helps counteract stress. Freud was a big flower person, you pointed out in the book. And how did this benefit him? Well, yeah, he loved, he was really quite obsessed by flowers and he was a great lover of beauty generally. And, um, and the more I researched Freud, the more I found there because actually this aspect of his life hasn't really been all that well acknowledged. And so I did a lot of research going through letters and memoirs uh, about him and, and discovered that really it was a thread that ran through his life from boyhood right up to when he died, when the garden was really crucial to, to, to coping with the end of life for him. Um, so yeah, he, he, once, he once wrote, um, uh, he didn't write it, he said it in an interview, um, flowers have neither conflicts or emotions. And, and I think what he's pointing to is something very, very important, which is that human relating is full of conflicts and emotions you know um, it may be our most rewarding and our most important sort of um, uh, connections but at the same time it makes huge demands on us and when we when we relate to plants whether that's flowers or trees we, we, we we're still in touch with life but we can switch to a much more more simple and less demanding, um, and sometimes more restorative form of relating. So, so I think some of the peacefulness comes through that. You know, you're not having to think about, um, you know, what what the what the plants think of you. You know, and and, and that, for instance, came through quite strongly in in various interviews that I did. Um, some of which were on Rikers Island Prison, where where the prisoners said said to me, um, you know, the plants don't judge us. The plant, you know, so there was no scope for feeling shame in front of a plant. Uh, you brought up the Rikers Island um, uh, garden. I want you to explain that a bit more to us. I found it a very intriguing part of the book, something, you know, I'm sure most people have no idea about. But again, the therapeutic value of this garden. Can you give us an insight into what you found there? Yes, uh, I was I was very fortunate in being able to visit and um, and interview uh, both men and women working working in the garden projects there, which are run by the the Horticultural Society of New York. Um, they've been working in Rikers for some time actually, um, and the projects have sort of have grown considerably. There are now eight gardens uh, on Rikers. Um, what was very very striking was how, for many many of the people I talked to, that the garden had given them their first experience of doing something that they felt they could be proud of, you know. And I this is something that applies for other people too. That, that you know that actually um, when you grow when you grow a squash plant, let's say, and then you you make soup from it and you share the soup and you know, people say, wow, you, you know, you grew that. The same with, you know, beautiful flowers, you know, that, that sense of, oh, wow, you know, you, you grew this flower. And of course, we're working with nature's powers of creativity. So we're getting a real leg up in terms of expressing our own creativity. Uh, so it's a very accessible way to, to feel that you've done something worthwhile. And, and the important thing about that and in, in the prison situation is, 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 is it, it helps people feel, but oh, maybe, maybe there is a different way. Maybe I can do something different. You know, I don't, don't always have to be on the wrong side of the tracks, as it were. And, Are you and integrating the, gardening right into your practice? Um, in, into my practice now? Yeah. 
Um, in terms, of, well, actually, my practice at the moment is 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 with um, doctors suffering from stress and burnout. So, which I've been doing now for quite a few years. So, I, I what I do integrate in into my practice is um, connection with nature, because because hospitals are very often deprived of any kind of, you know. Uh, green nature but also daylight is often lacking you know um er departments don't have windows and so on uh so so i do absolutely encourage and 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 doctors are at the moment along with the rest of health professionals suffering from very very high levels of stress so simply getting out spending time in the park exercising if outside and if they have a garden yes but i'm not particularly uh, getting them gardening because they're often exhausted, but just getting that value from spending time in nature is very, very, very worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a difference when it comes to this? Might be sound like a, a inane question, but is there a difference when you're gardening and creating and growing, well, not creating but growing flowers, versus when you are planting food? Is it a different type? of satisfaction or outcome, or is it all the same? Well, I think the important thing is to grow uh, things that you find beautiful or things that interest you. Um, I started actually through herbs. Um, I, um, as I said, I loved cooking. And the thing that hooked me in was, was just growing very simple herbs to begin with, but, 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 but also sort of the kind of varieties that I couldn't buy in the shops and and that got me going so I think it's it's about you know choosing what you're going to grow according to your own your own kind of interests and and keeping it simple to begin with actually you know growing things that are reliable I still get I, I grew sunflowers very early on and I got such a thrill from that um, just watching the rate of growth that they 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 go through and and I still I still love growing sunflowers. When when you strip it all down, is it the sense of accomplishment that you think has the greater impact on people, or is it the serenity and the change of you know the the left turn from coming in from work and going outside? What would you pull away from your research and your book and your studies as maybe the overriding most beneficial aspect of getting outside and into the garden? Do you know, I don't think there's any one thing. I think, um, you know, the garden does take us into a separate space. Yeah, I describe that in the book. It's a kind of, it's an in-between space. It's, it's neither home on the one hand or the house anyway, um, uh, or the outside world. It's, it's this wonderful, wonderful in between. Um, and, and so in that sense, it, it offers um, a refuge uh, and, and a sense of safety that we're kind of protected. And, but it's not an escape. I don't see it as an escape because we are then working with, the very stuff of life we're in touch with the cycles of the the cycle of the seasons for example we're we're in in touch with all sorts of your yeah, basic basic facts of life basic realities so so i i can't really say it's one thing i guess it depends on why you're out there now a question just popped into my mind we're talking about getting out in nature and cultivating and so forth some people don't have that luxury can you find as much benefit cultivating indoors, having a, you know, an indoor herb garden or a garden tower? Is there still the benefits that you've seen going outside, bringing it inside? I think bringing it inside is a great thing to, to do if you can't get outside. You know, there, there are lots of studies that show um, benefits from cut flowers as well in terms of reductions in stress and um, improvement in mood. Um, but the same with, with houseplants. Uh, so, so I think it's, it's really whatever, whatever is accessible, whatever's possible, uh, just to find a way of integrating it into, into your life. 
Do the aromas of flowers have an impact, do you think? Yes, I do think so, yes. And and there's some fascinating research on that as well. Um, you know, I, I, I decided to look into this a bit and discovered that, you know, lavender, for instance, uh, helps to raise levels of serotonin. Um, but the one that fascinated me most was, was the smell of roses, uh, which, um, which, you know, is one of the most quintessentially beautiful smells, uh, I think. And, and, and it's, you know, loved cross-culturally almost, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, that is, um, has been shown to, to help reduce levels of adrenaline. So it has a sort of anti-stress effect. And on top of that, um, it also affects, slows down the breakdown of our natural endorphins. Um, so, so there's a sense that, you know, the, the kind of the, the endorphin release you might get from the beauty of the rose uh, is going to linger a bit more because of the scent of the rose. The, the physiological impacts of gardening, I know you've highlighted some of it, but there really are, you know, it, it, it is a science and you've shown that in your book. There are real sciences and, you know, neural interconnections and things like that with gardening that you've pointed out. So again, something I love because we're not just talking about, you know, ethereal things and, you know, we're talking about real physiological changes and positive impacts that gardening can bring. I just, I don't know why it just floated through my mind. I read a book many years ago about the type of flowers and how they can impact your mood. I can't for the life of me think of what that book is, but um, it, it wasn't a, it, it was a, it was a fiction book, but it the, the, the genesis of it was a woman who actually looked at the impact of certain flowers when they were given and, and the reaction to them. And, and it was fascinating. So this, you know, this idea of connecting with nature has, as you've said and pointed out in the book, it just goes back forever, um, whether it's the beauty, whether it's getting your hands in the soil, and likely because it actually impacts, you know, all of our senses. And we can even say hearing, you know, hearing um, as you're cutting and not as much maybe as impactful as visual and the sensual part, but gardening can just have a holistic impact on, on, on everything. And even getting your hands in the soil and, you know, how many posts have we seen about, you know, let your children go out and get dirty, even for the microbiome. Um, All of these things are so wonderfully um, accessible to a lot of us, to many of us, even if we have to go and, and visit a garden. But I think you've just brought a beautiful sense back to us and a reconnection and um, in a very beautiful way, the way you've weaved stories and case studies and you're, you know, and talking about Freud. So I thank you so much for, for giving us this, this beautiful gift. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you very much. Um, and it may be worth mentioning. It's also available as an audio book. I've recorded it. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's available. That, that option is there too. If people want to listen to the book. Now, is your book available on all the the regular sites? It is. Yes, it certainly should be. Um, uh, so, yeah, main 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 bookshops, uh, main main websites. Uh, yep, it's it's widely available. And is there a place where people can contact you directly if they have further questions or are interested in your work? Yeah, I ha- I have a website um, which is suestuartsmith.com. Um, and, and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram, so people can find me. Wonderful. And of course, we'll have all that information uh, for you when the podcast is out. I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's just such a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, it's great. It's been a real, real joy to join you. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
Here on Radio Maria Canada.